Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. Hi, my name is Kilkenny, and today I am overjoyed to have what is sure to be a fascinating conversation of one of my most favorite topics, astrology, with the esteemed and luminous professional astrologer, Tara Vogel. Tara is a certified professional astrologer and coach who is passionate about helping parents stay connected to their kids and themselves via the cosmos. She loves to dive deeply with her clients and believes that understanding your astrological natal chart along with your child's natal chart is one of the greatest tools we have for understanding ourselves and our children better. Tara believes in a holistic approach to living and weaves her knowledge of nutrition, herbal medicine, and psychotherapy into her readings. She is a mom of three Her middle daughter has special needs, and having her natal chart read as a young child helped her to navigate the uncharted waters of raising a child who has different needs. Tara wholeheartedly believes understanding your whole family's astrological birth charts can help bring more peace, harmony, and compassion to your daily life, especially with kids. Welcome, Tara, to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thanks, Kilkenny. I'm happy to be here. Mm, I'm so happy for our listeners, for your incredible download of wisdom, which you have a plethora of. So Tara, my first question to you is what I ask all my guests. What does it mean to be a modern mystic? (laughs) Yeah, I thought about this. So, you know, what is a mystic? A mystic is one who utilizes the mystical arts. Um, to, as a practice, to connect with something higher that could be something sacred and holy. Um, So that could be God, goddess, higher self, uh, the luminaries, the sun and the moon. So, I mean, this is a topic that just even this this, um, title of your podcast, Kilkenny, is just very close to my heart because that's what I do every day as I write about what's happening with our luminaries, particularly our feminine luminary, the moon, um, and how you can use that in your daily life, like down here in the trenches at times in motherhood and just, you know, bringing that goddess wisdom down to the earth, you know, with the technology that we have, with the quarantine that we're in right now, with our life right now, you know, in modern day. So I feel really passionate about that. Um, so yeah, connecting to those, what, and it, it could be something like tarot or something, but I, my jam is just connecting with the cosmos and bringing it down and using it to navigate your day. I mean, the moon is, is such, um, is such an anchor for all of us. You know, the moon is our emotional body and, and we are, you know, that's, it's our emotions that we remember from life to life to life. We don't remember the circumstances of our past incarnations or our future incarnations. We just remember the emotion. And so the moon is in my world, you know, it's such a 
foundational part of my practice and my daily living and my spiritual practice and all of that. Mm. So yeah, that's what, that's what it is to me. Mm, So beautiful. I love how you said the term mystical arts because it really is an art form. And I feel like part of the verbiage, even modern mystic, like in this modern living were invited and allowed quote unquote and, and able because of our freedom in our society, particularly where you and I live in the United States, right, to allow our mysticism to be like an art and to be very individual and to really, um, as you're speaking, to use the cosmos or whatever spiritual, psychological technologies um, to be able to develop our own ritual and spirituality that, that's very individualized and very unique to each person. So love, love what you said. And me too, the moon is one of my main squeezes. And, you know, the more I live in this lifetime, it just becomes more and more powerful, my relationship to the moon. So I can't wait to dive into that topic soon with you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what you bring up is a good point is that, I mean, you know, I'm on Instagram. I talk about this every day and I can, and I'm so grateful that we can utilize these things that, you know, years ago, it was either taboo, you didn't talk about it, you were wacky, or worse, you know, you got bad things happen to you if you talked about the relationship with the moon and, and her wisdom, you know, or anything like that. So yeah, I feel really grateful that people are so open. It's, you know, I tell, I tell moms, you know, with with young kids, it's like, you they're just growing up with and their kids are growing up immersed in this language of astrology. Astrology is just booming. Like I teach for um, an astrology school and we can enrollment is always through the roof. Like people are really, really like, give me more. I, because they feel, they feel the, um, the ancient wisdom in it. Like they're being drawn to it. And so, you know, I don't know you, you being a yoga teacher, maybe 30 years ago, you said down dog. And it was like, what, what's that? You said down dog at the grocery store, but now everybody knows what down dog is. And so it's like the same with astrology. It's like, well, not many people know their moon sign or their rising sign. They certainly know their sun sign, but you know, these kids are growing up in a world in this modern world of they'll know their sun, moon and rising because their moms will talk about it on a play date. (laughs) So true. It's such an important point because like you're saying, the spiritual fluency in different arenas really, I mean, you know, not so long ago, as you stated, like you would risk your life and horrible things would happen to your family, right? And then it's interesting to think about even back even historically, then, you know, at some point, several generations ago, these were things that everyone lived by, like the moon, like prior to, you know, the witch burnings and and the, the sort of, you know, medieval times, you know, everyone was earth-based. So everyone was paying attention to the moon. It wasn't considered a spiritual quote-unquote thing. It was a practical thing for planting and harvesting and crops, which everybody was living by very closely because there wasn't a Whole Foods or a co-op nearby. Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting. So Tara, I think of one's astrological chart as essentially a person's soul blueprint of the most aligned life they could possibly live in order to really realize their greatest potential and serve this world in the fullest way with their own uniqueness. So my understanding a chart is like a literal snapshot, a picture of 
patterns and placements of the luminaries in the sky. And for our listeners, luminaries, when Tara and I refer to this, we're speaking of the sun, the moon, planets, asteroids, constellations. So could you extrapolate in your own words what a person's quote-unquote chart is um, and, and about this snapshot in the sky at the moment they were born? Yeah, um, I see it as your soul's lesson plan. I mean, in my other life before children, I was an elementary teacher and we did lesson plans. I did many of them each day. And it's like, so I just like that language of this is what your soul said. This is my plan in this lifetime. This is the energies and the archetypes that I want to experience. And as always, that can be the high road. You know, we have that potential to move towards the highest expression, but we also have the free will and the potential to move towards the lowest expression. And so, you know, in a reading, I also, I'd like to point that out. The high road is this, you know, this is, you know, what you've really come to embody and fully stand in. And this can also show up, right? And because we relate to both, we can't just be all love and light. We also have these parts in us that, you know, we can be drawn back. And I don't want to use the word, um, like to the shadows, like in a negative way, because I, the kind of astrology I do, I mean, I really believe that, um, the gift is in the shadow, the gold is in the, the treasure is in the dark, you know, that I think, um, you know, it's like, oh, like diving into that darkness and knowing it gives us a more rich embodied experience of our human incarnation in this lifetime on the earth. Mm, such a profound so, point. Mm, really profound. I mean, the, the, stream of yoga that I was raised in and practice currently to this day is tantric yoga, which is completely the same alignment where the shadow and the light are two sides of a coin. And, and, and like yin yang, we have to have both to really be integrated, spiritually mature, psychologically functioning human beings. So thank you for, for saying it. Yeah. And, you know, I get a lot, I'll just say this a lot of times, um, I should say a lot of times, but some pe times people will learn a little bit about astrology enough to scare themselves and they'll be like, oh my God, I have all these challenges in my chart. And, you know, it's like it, but it's, which is shown, it can be shown by the red lines in your chart. So people will be like, I have red lines all over the place. And it's those people, right there. So there's challenges, but these are the ones that do the most in this lifetime and, and really make an impact. Like they're here to grow a lot and we don't grow a lot always by hanging out in, in the light. Like we really need to dig into that darkness. It was right. What, what, what did um, Young say? One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. Mm. So these people that have the challenge, like some challenges in their chart in order to, really um, like do their lesson plan in this lifetime, they need to be able to dig into that dark, into the shadows. I love that quote so, so very you know, much. Yeah. And then, but bringing that out into the light, like, of course, you know, the light is, uh, is our, it's kind of like our destination, I'd say, but we can't get there without, you know, digging deep into the, the different layers of our, the, the deeper layers of our psyche. So it's those people that I find the most fascinating when I when I read it, you know, when I give a reading to. 
Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it reminds me of that um, Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And um, it is so interesting. And that's one of the things I love about your, um, and yoga, it's called darshana, your viewpoint and working with you, because I feel like your ability to transliterate anything that would be fearful or scary or over the top intense was just phenomenal and incredibly empowering because when we know our shadow and when we, and then we, you know, we have mentors and, and teachers and, and people who can act as a mirror and help us understand ourselves and then guide us through and to our shadow in a, in a gentle way, then we can actually feel like we can withstand being with the shadow. And you, you are such a master at that. That's one of the things I, I really felt really the most thing. Um, about your readings that was particularly extraordinary. So let's dive into your specialties because this is so much wrapped in this idea of light and shadow. And um, which is really how can astrology interface in relationships and how like by knowing some of the details in a loved one's chart, we can support them in living the life they are intended to live. One of the things that I love in my own personal journey of astrology is I found that often when I know things about the people I love's chart, especially the things that rub me the wrong way, knowing these astrological details has really supported me in not trying to change anyone. And I feel like that's such a thing when I work with my private clients and students, it's so natural in relationships, particularly the most intimate ones that we want to change people and of course, one psychological, you know, touchstone is we can't change anyone. <laughs> um, but two, I find that having the prism of astrology and knowing someone's chart details, like for example, I have a, a loved one close to me who has a Taurus rising. And so when he's acting stubborn, I don't any longer wish he didn't act stubborn. I just think to myself, oh, okay, he's having a Teresian moment. <laughs> and then... I can really often even come to a place of compassion and just hold space for that. So I love for you, please, to, to speak to this whole topic. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. Um, but, and, and you said it so well is, you know, what I do is what I love to do is a reading for the mom first, right? Because it's our relationship to ourself that, that lays the foundation for our entire life. And if you are making yourself wrong or don't like yourself because you're this way and this way, it's having your chart read. It's like, Oh wait, I've actually come to do that. That's the, that could be the low road. You know, let's say that you're an Aries. I'll just use the, the, you know, everybody knows Aries. I mean, and everybody tends to know the fire signs in my opinion, but oh, everybody knows Aries. That's interesting. And so, um, you know, it's like, if you're an Aries son, you've come to be bossy. You've come right. Impatience can show up. You can be irritable, but it's like when you dive in and you spend that hour, you know, in a reading or even learning about your chart, you know, I teach for Deborah Silverman and we open school two times a year. And the first, the whole level one is diving into your chart and you learn about, um, your, the elemental makeup of you and you learn about how you think and how you communicate your life lesson, the bigger picture of your soul, which is shown by the North node. But like, and that is, 
it's, you're basically learning some in this school, you're basically learning some just various things about astrology, but because it's applied to you in your natal chart, people are transformed because they see themselves differently and they start having compassion for themselves. Like, Oh, this is just what I've come to do. It can, this can show up, but then also this. And so it's like, and they soften and they open and they relax. And that's where it really starts is by, and you knowing your own natal chart and having this love and compassion for yourself and honoring what you said you've come to do, you know, like, Oh, I've just come to do this. And I've been not liking that about myself. It's actually my superpower, but it's the way that I'm, that the way that I'm viewing that. And a lot of times these, the way we see ourselves is set in childhood. So if we are a fiery, very son, we'll just take that example, a fiery child and we have a very earthy or set of parents that's like, yeah, it's all about work. That that fire that you're doing is not really allowed here. We get those messages that you need to, you, you know, imagine throwing dirt or earth on the fire and what that does. Mm. That puts out the child's fire and then they grow up thinking there's something wrong when they when they're like, hey, and here I am. It's it doesn't, it's not that expression. It's like, okay, I am that way, but it, I shouldn't be that way. Well, I'm too much. It's so, so true. It's so validating, I found for myself and, and so many people in my life. And and then, like you said, really then empowering. And, you know, I know your specialty is with parents, particularly mamas, but you read my husband's charts and you do daddies. And then everyone in some way I always think of is a parent to something. Like if you're a boss, you know, you're taking care of a group of people. Or if you're a gardener, you're taking care of a group of people, you know, there's always like in all of us have a role where we are in relationship to others. And so, you know, even if we're a young person, person listening to this, as you mentioned, so eloquently, then your parents, like knowing, you know, these in yoga, it's called samskaras, these impressions that are within our psyches that we don't even remember were put there. But yet currently they still live within us, these impressions, and we're still processing them and hearing their voices. And we don't even understand or know why or where they're coming from. And so that way that astrology and the information it provides when we know, say, you know, some of the aspects of our parents' chart or siblings' chart or, you know, whomever is just incredibly, incredibly um, powerful in a way that can accelerate our individual rocking this life. Well, well, one of the things I wanted to do is I, I wanted to ask you if you would be willing to do, say, a top 10 list and, and maybe we can hit 11, which would be awesome one for good luck of the aspects you recommend that people should know about their chart and, and the chart of their peoples. And I love how you even talked about, and I want to highlight for the listeners, you know, the idea that all relationships start from the place of you, right? And so yeah. you and the other, that's why your chart is so important, but then also tidbits about the other. So can, can we rock that list? Yeah, I would love to. Um, one thing that I want to say, though, it, and you're right, I do readings for everyone. Um, and a lot of times I'll have moms come to me and say, I'm having trouble with my child. Can you read their chart? And it, it's and I will do it, you know, and I really prefer for them to I mean, you know, it's twice the amount of money because you're paying for two readings, but I really prefer them to get really solidly grounded in themselves. And also that helps me to know 
what energy field this child is growing up in. So it's like, I can read the child's chart, but if I don't know the, the energy that's surrounding them and holding them, it, it's like, it's almost, it does them a disservice. Mm. So um, that I just want to, you may be having, you know, if you're listening, you may be like, oh man, I have to get my partner's chart read, or I would love to have my mom get a reading. Like if she could just, it, it's really, it always, 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 it's never about the other person. It's the transformation happens and the change happens within you. So um, if you are listening and you're thinking of that, I really, and you've never had an astrology reading, or even if you haven't had one in a while, Real a really good soul check in on that lesson plan of yours could be really helpful in all of your relationships, um, because really it's like there was a really wise astrologer. His name's his name's Robert Hand. You know, he said, "Think about how did he say it?" He said, "Whatever bothers you about somebody else, you know that it's never about them. It's always about you." So really understanding how where that shows up in your chart and your tools that you have to work with that because in astrology, I can always give you the, okay, yeah, it, I see this is going to be a challenge. You have a huge self-critic that sits in your shoulder and here's one of the tools you can use. And that's shown by the, the blue lines or the helping aspects in your chart. But um, yeah, so really knowing yourself firmly first. So I'm going to, I'll go through these top 10, hopefully 11. Um, but so if you know them about yourself, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, bring in the charts of your partner or your husband or your your kids um, or your parents. That's really helpful to to be able to, they don't always know their birth time, but Gorgeous. to find, um, yeah, yeah, to find their birth information is key. So yeah, I would love to run through those. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you just for highlighting that because it always starts with ourselves and um yeah, knowing ourselves is is the main aspect of the mystic and then going from there when you're facing with others. So thank you for that wise point. So yeah, let's begin. Number one. So number one is really what everybody knows is their sun sign, right? So we all know where the sun was. I shouldn't say we all know because I definitely have had people that have been born on the cusp, you know, and think they're, you know, I don't know, they think they're a Leo and they actually are a Virgo. And they're like, no wonder I couldn't relate to Leo my whole life. So it really depends. If you're on the cusp, you need a birth time. And I would, I love when people come to me with accurate birth times. If they, um, you know, rather than what, oh, I think you were born around 2.30, so-and-so, you know, rather than what comes from your mom, like seeing if you can get some documentation on that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so sun sign, because your sun is, you know, it's how you want to show how your soul said in this lifetime, I want to come and shine in this way, you know, and whatever sign it in is whatever sign the sun is in will show the archetype that it's that like that, how it's going to shine. So a Capricorn sun is going to shine. It's going to be disciplined, right? It's that, it's that um, energy of Capricorn. I'm serious. I'm bringing discipline. I need, I have goals for myself, you know, where, um, you know, let's say a Gemini sun, which is an air sign. It's just, it's very different. They're here to do a lot of different things and they're here to have fun and then they get bored and they change it, you know? And so the way they're here to, sh the way they are here to shine the way think everybody think about this right now. So your sun sign shows how you're here to show who you are. You know, it's your purpose. It's where you can find your personal power. Where are your strengths? And the sign that it's in 
will show how you're going to do that. You know, if it's an earth sign, it's going to be practical. If it's a fire sign, it's going to be fiery and spontaneous and passionate. If it's an air sign, it's going to be more of in the mental realm. It's going to be a communication. If it's in the water, it's not that yet water, you know, you're going to, how you're here to shine is through, you know, emotions and feelings and, and you, in that sensitivity that you hold. Mm. So yeah, it can be really helpful to know like who, how you're here to do your thing and how your loved ones are here to do their thing. Because it's like, you know, I think uh, what a really wise, another favorite astrologer I have is Stephen Forrest. And he said, um, when in doubt, feed the sun, the sun always needs to be fed. So if you're a Capricorn and you make yourself wrong because you work a lot and you can totally work, be a workaholic, but know that you are here to do that important work in the world. That's why you've come, you know, or if you make yourself wrong because you're a Pisces sun and you're so, you cry all the time and you're so sensitive and you don't always like to be around people because that can be a little exhausting, you know, it's, but yeah, but that sensitivity is your gift. It's how you're here to show up in the world. So yeah, that's your sun sign. Fabulous, fabulous. And I'm just wondering, as I'm contemplating this, the, the luminary of the sun in yoga, it's so much about consistency, you know, like the sun as a luminary, right, is always shining. We know this, even when it's nighttime, it's shining somewhere and it's associated with the, the day, Sunday, where a lot of us have time to be ourselves. And so I was just thinking about, that's really interesting what you're saying about like always going back to the sun. That's like that consistent, consistent aspect to ourselves. Yeah. And I will say that, um, you know, as I say this, and, and let's say you're listening and you say, well, yeah, but I'm actually, you know, for, I'm a Pisces sun and I don't feel that sensitive and I don't relate to Pisces. I get that a lot. And that's because it's only one aspect of your psyche. You know, the moon is the, is your feminine energy. And that, even though it's not totally valued, although we're working on it in our society right now, you know, it's, it is the other half. It is the yin energy. You know, the sun is the yang. It's that male energy. It's the outward expression. The moon is your inner expression and it, it holds just as much importance as that mm. sun. And so, right. If you're a Pisces, um, if you are a Pisces sun and your moon is an Aries, well, yeah, you're, it's going, it, you're not going to be that typical Pisces sun. Yeah. So, and a lot of people will say I didn't believe in astrology because I just never fit those signs totally. that you read, you know. I've heard that, yeah. And that's why yeah. knowing all these aspects of the chart can be, you know, incredibly illuminative and, and really affirming, especially if you're someone who, who hasn't associated with your sun sign. One um, aspect that I know um, you were going to dive into is what we would consider, I guess, number two, before we get into the moon, the house that your natal sun is in. So can you talk about that nuance, which is a little deeper and refined since we're on sun conversation? Yeah, this is, you know, when I, when I teach astrology, this is the, you know, it's one of the important parts of, you know, Deborah Silverman's system that she, that I teach to other people, but it's, you know, the house that your son is in is where, what area of life you're going to do your thing. So that's really, really helpful to know. It's, you need to shine in this area. And so knowing that it, it provides you empowerment, like, oh yeah, I'm here to do, I'm here to kick ass here. You know, it's like this, 
I'm here to show up big time. Like, you know, so let the more you know about that house, same with the moon, but the house is that, again, that outward expression. Um, it's, you know, the more you can just do your thing that you've come to do and who wouldn't want to do that? You know? so, so when you say the sun is in a house, like, for example, like I'm a Libra, my sun sign. And yeah. then, so does that mean that my son is automatically in the seventh house, which is associated with Libra? Or can you, can you talk about that? And also, I also want to, um, after you do so, talk about and contextualize just even what the houses are, which I can give a quick synopsis of. But yeah, can you tell yeah. me first about that as an example so our listeners can, can understand? Yeah, there's, that. you know, I was thinking last night on the, the top three in astrology is your sun, moon, and rising. And, and Kilkenny, I sent you that list last night. And when I read it this morning, I thought, well, I forgot the rising sign and that, which is a super important part of that list. I, I was um, like, wow, she's not going to do rising. Wow. That's <laughs> outlier. I was like, oh, wow. And so we can, we yeah. can end up doing a quick, a quick uh, little diatribe about that and make it 12. But back, yeah. back to my question. So like if I'm a Libra, Libra is associated yes. with the seventh house in my, you know, be- very rudimentary understanding. Is that, does that mean that my son is in the seventh house or would my son be somewhere yeah. else ostensibly? That's a good question. It really depends on your rising sign. So whatever sign was rising on the Eastern horizon at the, on the daytime and place you were born, that sets up all of the houses. So it's, you know, we have in astrology, we have the planets and the planets are just part of us. The signs that those planets are in are how they'll behave, how those parts of us will act, will behave, what they need. And then the houses that those planets are in are just the areas of life that these parts of us are here to do their thing. You know, so, you know, Venus is the planet of relationships, like where in life are you here to relate, you know, and where is that going to show up? So you just happen to have a chart because, and this can happen with, depending on your rising sign, where yes, you are a Libra sun and it is in the seventh house that's associated with Libra, but there's that it doesn't always work that way. Okay. Um, so yeah, it really depends on when you took your first breath and your spirit like plopped into your body, <laughs> you know, and through, so it's like, it really, it depends on what your rising sign is and your rising sign sets all of the houses in your chart. So there are three important parts, your, the planets, the signs and the houses. Great. That, um, that was helpful. When I, when I think of it, it helped me to understand when I started to draw it out for myself, cause I'm a lot self-taught and I drew it out and I thought, Oh, this looks like a trivial pursuit piece. Like for those of us who remember that game, yeah. or you can think of like a pizza. And if you took a pizza and divide it into 12 slices, that's what your chart would look like. And we'll give you some resources later about where you can get your chart for free. But, and then if you divided those, you know, again, that pizza into 12 slices, 12 slices would be your the 12 different houses, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then exactly all right. the constellations, all the planets, you know, travel on this pizza. And the moment you were born, there's that snapshot of where they landed, which piece did they land on? And each piece of pizza is associated, as you said, with an aspect of life that we all face, whether it's career and, and working hard or relationships, um, you know, and, and yeah. such. So that's just this week I had that download when I was trying to explain it to someone and they were like, oh, pizza. Now I get it. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll mm-hmm. say that in the podcast. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it does look like that. So how do we find Tara? Like, 
when we look at and and I often go to astro.com or astro-charts.com. Do you have a, a site we can just say the resource now? Do you have a site that you like to use? Yeah, astro.com. That's okay. my favorite. Um, okay. That's what I teach um, from because it's really either charts are easy to read. They give you a nice little key and it, they're free. Gotcha. Um, and it's really accessible. Houses are not super intuitive if you don't know some astrology. I mean, because... Basically, you want to, it will tell you, you know, your son, it will tell you if you look at, there's a little box and that there's a key. Um, let me see if I can get a chart so I can remember. And that will tell you your son and what degree and what sign it's in. But you kind of have to look like, you're, let's just use the sun. So the sun is a circle with a dot in the middle. You need to find the slice of pie, as Kilkenny, as you said, Kilkenny, that it's in and then move to the center and see if the numbers, which number from one to 12 <laughs> it's in. So that's the easiest way to find it. Um, astro.com doesn't, this um, program doesn't say your house, you know, your son is in this house, your moon is in this house. You kind of have to find it on the chart. Mm -hmm. Um and then also, you know, the moon, the house that the moon is in is really important too. So you can find that little crescent moon mm -hmm. and then go look to see what slice of pie it's in. So like, for example, mine is, my son is eight degrees Libra. So it's eight degrees and it's in the slice of pie that's labeled seven. Yes. Um, does that eight degrees make it in the seventh house or? No, the, you don't have to pay attention to the degrees. Okay. You just have to find the little glyph that's the sun. Um and, and then see slice what of slice of pie it's in. Okay. So some people might be a Libra, but their sun is somewhere else in their slice of pie. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That. Thank you for that. It sounds nitty gritty to the listeners, but if you look, when you look at your chart, you will be thankful. Excellent. So let's go on to the emotional body. And thank you for accentuating that it really is half of the, the major equation here. Yeah. And I, you know, for all people that are just like budding curious about astrology, you can, once you figure out what's anything that I'm saying today, let's, let's say that you figure out, oh, my moon, my moon is in the seventh house, actually. My sun is in the 10th house. You can just put that into Google natal sun in the 10th house, natal moon in the seventh house, and then learn all about that area of life where your emotional body is going to, is meant to show up or your sun. So you can do a lot of Googling and um, finding out some things on your own, but it's really through an astrology reading that that astrologer can put it all together, but you can get lost in, you know, Google for a while. <laughs> really can. So the moon and um, the emotional body. Yeah. So the moon is, is really important. I mean, it's, it's our closest luminary. So it's, you know, the moon is, it's our emotional body and it's our, it's, the moon is also about childhood. It's about our inner child. Like I'm in a few, I think in a few months, I'm giving um, a presentation to, I do internal family systems. I use that method of psychotherapy in my coaching practice. So I'm giving um, a presentation for therapists that talk about like how to nurture ourselves and our inner parts, like those, those parts of us that, that, and we all have them, even if we had a great childhood that are, are wounded and hurt inside like those young, some people call it inner child work or reparenting. It's like the moon in your chart is such a rich 
source of information for how to nurture yourself, how to take care of that younger part of you, that, that younger self and like what you need in relationship to be nurtured. Right. Cause I mean, I guess relationships can be functional, but right. Then we do have functional relationships in our life, but those that we choose for our beloved and our partner, um, you know, that you have to be, you have to really know your needs. Like, what am I needing in life? What am I needing in a relationship? So it's really helpful to know your moon sign and your partner's moon sign. And oh my gosh, your kids, I can't, this is like the most important part of reading a kid's chart is how they need to be taken care of and nurtured. If that, if that is met, if those needs are met and you really have like the inside scoop on how to meet those, oh my gosh, does it make your mom job so much easier? So, um, yeah, the moon is our emotional body. It's what you need to feel cared for where you're like, I am the most comfortable doing this expression. If it's your moon is in a water sign, you are going to be really emotional and sensitive. If your moon is in an air sign, you're going to feel really comfortable. It's going to feel really good to you to talk like with your best friend or learn or read books. You know, if your moon is in, a fire sign. It's like you, you need adventure. You need, um, stimulation and excitement and passion. And, and you need to get pissy sometimes. It's like, you know, you, there's energy that's kind of built up in there that has to come out. You definitely would be good to have a physical, like a, not a, like a physical practice that really gets that moving, that blood pumping. Um, and if your moon is in an earth sign, it's more of a practical, like you, I always think of like a, the moon in an earth sign is like your love language is acts of service. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, let's get practical here about, you know, my emotions. Let's make a plan. I'm feeling this way and I'm going to make a plan to understand this better. Mm. And it's been so incredibly revelatory for me in relationships as we're speaking of too, not only with myself, which has been life altering, but with others, because it particularly, like you're saying, if you have a moon and you know one sign associated with one of the four elements, earth, water, fire, air, right? Um, our moon is associated for those who this is new to with one of those four elements, the energy of it. And say you're fire, but your kids or your lover or your boss or your best friend is, you know, earth. The way that you communicate your emotional body and the way that you need to move your emotional energy is could be very, very different. And so coming into harmony with those loved ones through understanding their moon sign and emotional needs is just, it's it's huge. It's just really, that's to me been just life-changing. So, And as a note to the listeners, when we talk about the elements, each of the 12 zodiac signs and archetypes are associated with one of four elements. Earth includes Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Water includes Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. Fire includes Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Air includes Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. So in my very first official interview episode, number two, Everything You Need to Know About Astrology, my lovely guest, Natalie, outlines some of the basic characteristics of each of the 12 zodiac signs. So listeners, if you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and listen to this one as it really is one of my all-time most popular episodes and you'll receive some great astrological groundwork about the qualities of each of these 12 signs 
And in addition, the aspects of the signs called cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And then, of course, like you mentioned, there's a natal moon phase. So if we see our chart, the pizza pie, that circle, and we find that, then you had alluded to earlier, just like the sun, we can see which slice the moon is in and then work with an astrologer or Google that, correct? The natal moon phase. Yeah, it's well, we're going to talk about the phase in a minute, but what you're talking about is that the house that the natal moon is in. So, you know, right, your your moon and the sign shows like your mood, what you need, um, how you respond instinctually to life, what feels comfortable. The house that that slice of pie that your moon is in is, you know, it's where those emotions are here to show up. Um, it's like where your soul came in to develop and play with and practice emotions. Um, you know, it's, and so there's the sign and then there's the house, but then there's also the phase that you were born under. And this is the backdrop. It's almost like the backdrop to your life. And I have a really easy way that you can find your moon phase. There's a, there's a site called, um, if you just put in Google AstroCal, A-S-T-R-O-C-A-L, and then find your, find out your moon phase. You'll just put in your birth date and it will tell you, you know, last quarter moon, you were born at a last quarter moon because the moon is so, like I said, in the beginning, it's so, so important for uh, just like the foundation of who we are and how to feel safe. Um, this is like, you know, people, especially since the quarantine, it's like when moms come to me, it's like, it's really helpful to know your, every, your sign, your kid's sign, house and phase, because that will give you clues in how to help them feel safe and comfortable and then find it out for yourself too, because anybody, you know, it's not easy to feel grounded and safe when there's so many uh, new things coming down the pike. You know, it's like there, this is a new Last year, you know, we entered with this pandemic, but there was also Saturn and Pluto coming together in January of 2020. We knew, you know, as astrologers, we knew it was going to be life changing. We didn't necessarily predict that that would be a virus, but that is a global life changing. Like we won't ever go back to the way it was like life might look somewhat normal, you know, but it's like we're, it's like a new, it's a new phase going forward. So, you know, and it can be, we're still in the beginning phase of that. Like it's without getting into the, all of the astrology, it's, you know, it's, we're still in the dark a little bit about how that's going to look and that's not, doesn't feel so great. And so knowing how to be, to feel safe and what your moon medicine is can be really helpful. I love that term moon medicine. So just to recap for our listeners, Tara spoke of the moon, knowing what sign the moon was in when you were born. And then we spoke of the house, knowing and finding out the house that your natal moon is in, and then the moon phase that the moon was in when you were born. So there are eight phases of the moon for our listeners. There's the dark slash new moon. There's the waxing crescent. There's the first quarter. There's a waxing gibbous. Then there's the full moon. Then there's the waning gibbous. Then there's the last or third quarter. And then the waning crescent. And then, of course, it resumes back to the dark new moon. And that has been such a big paramount practice for me. And again, affirming and completely um, fascinating for a lot of loved ones, because that's something I feel like a lot of people who are astrology curious and have dipped their feet and fingers in, but then don't know that. And then when they learn that, it's like hugely validating 
finding out um, which phase the moon was in when they were born. Yeah, this is another, if you don't, you know, as an astrologer, if you don't incorporate the moon phases, you're missing, you know, a really, in my opinion, a big piece of your soul's evolution. It's, I mean, it's the moon phase also shows where you are in your soul development. Um, so, and that can be, that's like the whole context of your chart. Like if you're looking at your soul plan, it helps to know, you know, are you, are you a newbie here in this soul, in, in this development of your soul? Are you a, an old soul who this, maybe this is one of your last incarnations and you're like, oh my God, I need to be in my own space. Like everybody's driving me crazy because I, there's a lot, like, there's a lot of wisdom that you hold, that you hold for those who are willing to, or able to hear it. And you don't want to be bothered with superficial stuff. Like it can also just be, it's, it just is more, um, illuminating as to your, to your mood, right? Your, your moon is like, it is the mood, you know, this is your moon shows the mood of your whole incarnation. And if you're a double Aries, like your sun and moon and Aries, right? Both your sun and the moon were in that sign when you were born yet it's right before a new moon. Well, you're not going to show up like their typical Aries because here Aries is the sign, the energy of newness in spring. But in your incarnation, you're an old soul. You're definitely not going to be that fire, you know, hey, here, I'm life of the party. Let's go. Let's get things going. It's going to be more of an internal gesture. Like, where am I taking this passion and this wisdom that I have? So, um, yeah, it can. That's another one of those things where you if you're you may not feel like your sign if you don't put the moon phase into context of it. Completely. Like I have a, um, a Pisces rising, as you know. <laughs> And I was born on a full moon. And I noticed with myself when I learned that full moon birth, um, it was like, okay, there are times where I really want to go down and under like a Pisces, but I can't stay there because full moon is like part of my life's work and destiny and, you know, shiny in that way. So it really can, as you're speaking of, um, inform so many aspects of your life and bring you back to full realization of your life's potential and your dharma and what you're here to do and how you're meant to serve and also how you'll feel fulfilled right and that that's something i feel like as a as a loved one when you know your child's chart your parents chart or your lover's chart like you can support them in fulfilling their destiny too and get out of the way of uh what you think they should be doing or help them get themselves out of the way <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I love doing readings for people that were born on a full moon and also that were born on a new moon or a balsamic moon because it's, it's so poignant. Like, you know, it, I think I may have told you this in your reading, a large number of people that are famous, you know, in like movie stars or just like YouTubers that came out of nowhere that are like, you know, famous now. It's like, yeah, they were born on a full moon because those people are meant to be seen. It's like when you walk outside and you see the full moon, you can't help but look up and be in awe. Well, that's you, Kilkenny, in this lifetime and anyone else that was born on a full moon. So, and that can be, you know, a challenge if you have other parts of your chart that suggest like if you have a lot of Scorpio and you're like, mm, I don't really like to be seen, but here you are born at a full moon. So it's like, you know, giving, being that permission to, I'm scared to be seen. I'm pretty private, but I got to do it. It's like what my soul came to do. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you're doing a beautiful example of 
being um, letting other people see you and in your spiritualness because in your spirituality because of that Pisces rising. Mm, well, um, thank you because cheerleaders like you remind me to keep doing it. So, <laughs> well, and just to keep moving on, but I also want to recap. We've done our sun sign. We've done the house that our natal sun is in. Then we went to the moon. Then we went to the house that our moon is in. Then we went to the moon phase. Um, what about progressed moon before we fully leave the moon land and go into the planets? Yeah, the progressed moon, that's a that's another one that I love to share in readings. Um, your progressed moon, it's just a, without getting into all the astrology of it, it's a mathematical calculation. And it, it's kind of like, you know, it's, you know, the first how do I want to say it? Like, let's just pretend that we had, um, it's like the first few months of your life sets up your self for your whole lifetime. Like, you know, like when, an, when, um, an apple tree, like that's the, the, or anything that has a seed, it's like that, um, it's, it's like that, that imprint is in the seed. It's like when you are born, it's like your, your genetics are all in place. Like that, that DNA of, you know, what color your hair is going to be like, how tall you're going to be like, that's all in place already. So this, that's the idea of the progressions. It's like your emotional development, because there we're all, I'm only talking about the progressed moon, but there's also a progressed Mercury and a progressed sun and all that. Um, so, you know, your emotional development is set for the developmental phases that it will go through. And, you know, if you are, you know, a Libra moon, you'll always be a Libra moon, but it's kind of like that Libra moon will wants to go through different phases of development and it will visit all of the signs of the Zodiac a few times in your lifetime. Um, it takes 27 years for the progressed moon to go all the way around your chart and visit each Zodiac sign. Um, so it's really helpful. And so you'll feel like if you're, let's say if you're a Libra moon and your progressed moon moves into Aries, you're going to feel fiery. It's, you're going to feel a little bit like selfish. Like I, you know, the focus is more on you. You, you leave that you'll, I mean, you'll always be that Libra moon that is concerned with the other and, you know, taking the other and partner into consideration and you want to keep peace, but you'll notice when your progressed moon moves into, and you, the way that you know, this is that you'll need to go to the, to astro.com to pull up your chart. And when you, um, you would go to, extended chart selection, you would scroll down and find progress chart. And you just want to look at where you're, and it'll calculate it for you. So, you, you know, if your progress moon just moved, I'm doing a reading for someone later today, her progress moon just moved into cancer. And so she's really going to be feeling really, really emotional right now because she is, um, she's a Taurus moon, right? You know, her natal sign is Taurus, but now it just, her progressed moon just moved into cancer. So I know when I talk to her, she's, and I say, you've been really sensitive, more sensitive than usual lately. It's so affirming, like, oh my God, nothing's wrong with me. I didn't, I didn't know why I was crying all the time. Mm -hmm. I thought something was wrong with me. It's not the way I normally emotionally act with things. So, and it's just, you know, it's just the phase, it's like a phase. It's a two and a half year phase of how your emotional body wants to grow and what it wants to experience and the kinds of things that make it happy. You know, if your progressed moon just went into cancer, you might be more, 
concerned about motherly things or cooking or home, or you might move, you know, because you, it's like home becomes important. Mm-hmm. So that is incredibly important to know. That can be a little bit harder to know um, without a reading. I think you can figure it out. Excellent. On astro.com. Thank you for those concrete details. And like you're saying, um, all these tidbits can really help us to work with our life energy currently in the most skillful way. And, and I know that was a huge, a huge thing to know because mine changed recently and I felt a change. Like I literally was like, huh, my life, you know, I mean, you know, in time, space, reality right now and density, we are all living in the quarantine, but people, you know, will hear this in years to come. And, you know, all of a sudden in this long period, you know, it was like one really week, I felt differently. And then I spoke with you and you're like, oh, you're press moon. It was like exactly that week. Um, yeah. And it was a dramatic shift and how I was feeling. So it's really fascinating. Yeah, it's also really good to know your kids progress moon mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it's whenever our kids start acting different in a way that can be a little just different than who we know them to be, we can get scared as moms, like what's going on, you know, or why are they, why are they crying so much? You know, why are they all of a sudden, um, fiery and a little bit rude and, and sassy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's like, this is what they're supposed, they need to experience. Let's say it's like an Aries or a Sagittarius cycle or a Leo cycle. They need to be experienced that, that right now. So how can, then I talked to the mom about how she can, how that they can support that because it's so, our kids just need to be left to be, <laughs> you know, let them do their thing. We want to support them and let them know we're here. We want to guide them, but it's helpful to know their soul's lesson plan and the, you know, like the, where their progress moon is. So we can understand why they're um, cut off. Like if, if it's, if they're in an air cycle, maybe they're not, and they're normally a cancer moon and now they're in Aquarius, uh, you know, progress moon, then it would be like, Oh, okay. That's yeah. They're, they're very, um, verbal and not like she, I haven't seen her cry in months and she always used to cry, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So just for our listeners to recap the progress moon, like our moon travels through all 12 slices of that pizza slowly over time. And every two and a half years, it goes from one slice to another slice to another slice. This is our moon, right? And this is our emotional body. So knowing the, the vibe and the archetype, the house, so to speak, is what the slice is called, that your moon is in can, again, be informative and validating. Awesome. Yeah, and all the planets, I mean, we we can do progressions for other planets too. The moon just moves the fastest, so it's the most, it's the one that changes the most. So it's, but, you know, there's somebody's progress Mercury is always in a sign or house or the progress sun. So that can be really you know, helpful to know right. with an astrologer. Right. That's like PhD level. That's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but fascinating. Thank you for mentioning that. Okay. Let's talk Mercury communication and Mercury because so many people know about Mercury and retrograde. I feel like that's one of those like mainstream um, topics that uh, people of, of all walks of life will, will allude to, Oh my God, Mercury is retrograde. And even if they don't know what that means. So let's start with Mercury and your wisdom, please. And then, and then maybe you can hit retrograde as well. Yeah. Mercury, you know, it's your mental body. So it shows how your mind works, um, what conditions you learn best in how you communicate it can also be like 
the the broken um I don't want to say record but that like is dating myself like that the story that the broken the story that you keep telling yourself again and again and again that keeps looping in your mind that can be shown as your mercury um and it's really helpful to know you know especially in partnerships or even with your kids it's like what are your communication needs and what are how do they communicate um what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses in communication so um you know, if they're Mercury, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's the way we learn. So, you know, I, you know, I realized Kilkenny, I've been saying, oh, if you have this, you know, your moon and an earth sign, some people may not know what those earth signs are or those water signs. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm not speaking to something that, I mean, I, you can, if you print out your chart or you just look at your chart in astro.com, you'll be able to see, you know, what sign your Mercury is in. Like, let's say your Mercury is in Capricorn. That's an earth sign because it'll be in green. But yeah, I mean, Mercury is just about your, it's about the way you think. So it's very helpful to know, you know, that about yourself and also that about your person you're in a relationship with. Mercury is the most common planet to go in retrograde. And if you have Mercury retrograde in your natal chart, like if you go to astro.com and you look at your chart and you find the little glyph for Mercury, it looks like a little man with the hat on. Um, it's just, you know, it's like, could you could think of it as his like thinking cap? That's what my teacher says. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a little R beside there. Then that means that when you were born, Mercury in the sky was retrograde. And so there can be a way where, you know, when Mercury is retrograde, if you have it, are we talking about natal chart? Um, like if it's in your natal chart? This is fabulous because I never heard this. So thank you. Yeah, let's talk okay. about that. And then let's talk about, you know, when it goes into retrograde for a minute or two and things that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, it is helpful because it, it's also helpful to know if your kids have it because, you know, we are, can be a one size, like the, the schooling that we're a lot of, many of us are in, you know, as a society, or it's like the one size fits all, or, mm -hmm. you know, if you're different, then mm, you're not fitting in this box. So, but if you, you know, if your kid or you has Mercury in retrograde, first of all, it, it is indicative of there's some past life thing going on that you're really here to, you know, it like in another life, there could have been something about the way you think that didn't quite work out and you're here to take another try at it, you know, and, and that could be many, many different things. Um, but you know, this, it can, when you're younger and you have a retrograde mercury in your natal chart, it can have you feel a little insecure about the way you think or the way you process information or because it's different than everyone else, you know? And so you can kind of feel out of place, like looking around, like, why are other people doing it this way? but I want to do it this way. And it doesn't feel good. Um, so, th so there can be a shyness about it, or you're a little bit like hesitant to be the one that raises her hand in class or something like that. So, but really it leads to these people, especially these kids um, or those adults that have mercury and retrograde. When you get older, when those kids grow up or you, if you happen to know you have this, you are a very independent thinker. It's like you, your mind was not, you're not, you're not, um, I mean, I would say it as like, you're not the mainstream thinker. You know, you think differently than other people without that, like that cultural programming or social programming. 
it's kind of like the wild child who grew up in the woods that it, like they, they're not, you know, they do it their way. And that's <laughs> when you're young, that feels, mm, I don't like this. I just, you know, cause we kind of want to find our place because right when you in, it, you know, as if we look at our history, it's like those ones that couldn't find their place. Well, they were the ones that got pegged off first for some reason or another, you know, mm-hmm. we, it was it, worked well to be with the group and the clan. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you grow up thinking in your own way. And so a retrograde Mercury is a gold mind of you are a deep thinker. You are a thinker that's not thinking like other people. Um, But it's, you need time to reflect. Like you need that, you know, you're a person that would might journal or you need to kind of space out and like, you need that reflection time. Um, so you might even be somebody who's fascinated with like therapy, the unconscious, the shadow kinds of work. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, what about when Mercury goes into retrograde? Yeah. For everybody, first of all, there's people that have a retrograde Mercury. It can feel like, Oh, wait, I get to do my thing now. I get to slow down a little bit. I get to tap into in the way that, because this, the planet is supporting you in that gesture, right? So it can be feel really good to people that have natal mercury in retrograde, but it's just a time where, you know, and I'm sure that your listeners have heard this a bunch of times, but I, it, it really is true. It's like, you want to do all those rewords, like review, reflect, regroup, reassess. Um, you know, it's, it's like not the time it's, it's not from a superstitious point of view, like, Oh, it's bad to sign contracts. It's just not the time to do that. Astrology is all about timing. So if you're going with the cosmos and with the energy, which is always, I always recommend, you know, cause it just, it's in the flow of things. It's the time to kind of, you might be missing something if you sign reread the contract 10 times. Yeah. If you have to. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Reread, reread, and reread. And then even if you reread, there could be a change. It's just the way the it works is there may be a way where you'll you're missing something or you overlook something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, for example, I always use this example in the past two years because we tried as we as hard as we could not to sign our the agreement on our you know close not the closing but um, that initial offer on our house when Mercury wasn't um, you know when Mercury was direct and it just it kept getting pushed off and pushed off and finally I'm like I just have to surrender and we signed it and Mercury was retrograde in Cancer um, we signed it we went through the whole house inspection and everything. And I cannot tell you every time we turn around, there's a water problem, you know, water coming in the basement, you know, water, sewer explosions, water leaks. Oh my goodness. This is associated with mercury retrograde, right? Water challenges, technology challenges. My, my experience is when it's retrograde, you look at the element that it's in and the sign. And like, you know, for us, it was, you know, in a water sign and having to do cancer, it's your home. So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, it's either going to be super great or, or we miss things. Um, Technology, travel plans, like all of that, all in the details kind of things. And the, the way we, you know, the way we communicate, the way we network, you know, the way we travel, you know, cause traveling is just getting one place to another and it like, it can go wonky when Mercury is in retrograde. You just have to just use, you can't not do your life, but just use a lot of, um, you know, like you just said, like review, reread, just pay 
attention to um, the details. And I always think Mercury mindful. MM, just think a little more mindful. Oh, yeah. I love that. (laughs) That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was great. I also have heard um, for years ago from an astrologer, um, shaman had told me about leaving a coin on your altar for Mercury. Have you heard that as like an offering? Yeah, it was, it was something a long time ago, and I thought that was sweet. Like, I'm not sure the origin, but he was like, yeah, you always want to leave, like, a little coin and just, like, a little offering that way for Mercury. He likes that. Venus. Venus. I love Venus. Yeah. I mean, Venus, it, the planet of relationships, you know. So Venus, um, it's how you express love. It's your your taste, uh, your, what you desire. It's like that. It's not not desire in a way that like, yes, I want this. That's more Mars, which I'll talk about in a second. It's like, oh, yes, yes. Like that kind of yes, as opposed to like, yeah. Um, It's what you, you know, Venus is like when it's how you feel loved in relationships, you know, what brings you pleasure? Um, What attracts you to another? It's like that, you know, and so it's really helpful to know your your Venus and just honor it because um you know depending on what sign it's in we can have you know as a society we can have judgments around that like Venus in Scorpio is one that I always think it's like Venus that's not the favorite place of Venus to be in Scorpio because it's so intense and Venus is like oh but I just want to love and connect and I just want everything to feel right and beautiful and like Scorpio takes you die you know deep into the darkness um you know there's a lot of sexual vibes of venus and scorpio and lots of magnetism um and so it's helpful to know your venus to know your partner's venus so you can kind of know their love language um and your kids also you know so yeah venus is really helpful planet to know and then on the flip side of that and that's you know it's the female energy and then there's mars so mars will tell it's the flip side of Venus. It's the male energy of, you know, our like relationships. It's more sexual. It's more, um, young. Venus is more the yin and Mars is more the yang. And it's how you Mm -hmm. act, what you're motivated by. It's about how your libido, how you get angry and pissed, Mm -hmm. um, how you handle aggression and competition and how you expand your courage. It's really like how you go about getting like that thing that you want. And so, you know, if like, let's say your child's Mars is in a fire sign in order for them to find their courage and like get their Mars on, you know, which is like great. I mean, we love, you know, it's, it's like, it's important for, it doesn't matter what gender we are, what gender we identify with. It's like, we need to know, we need to know our Venus and know our Mars, Mm. you know? And so if it's in a five, your kid's um, Mars is in a fire sign, they're going to have to do things that are risky. They're going to have to do things that are spontaneous and maybe slightly dangerous. Mm. So if it's in Leo, Aries or Sagittarius, you know, it's, you're, it's helpful to know that. And it, it's also helpful um, to know just your partners and like the kind of um, Mars also says like, you know, Mars wants to be free. I always say that Mars wants to be a badass. So it's like, <laughs> be your badass you know you look at what sign it's in that's the expression that it needs i love that yeah well and i often like stack like a lot of work on tuesday tuesday's associated mars you know friday's venus from freya friday venus 
Mercury is associated with Wednesday, lots of communication. So I often like plan conversations on, on that day. And the moon is Monday. So Mondays we tend to hit the ground running, but I always try to make some time for more feeling because um, mm-hmm. often we're busy on the weekends. So just a yeah. little space. So it's interesting how our, our days of the week even are anchored in, in astrology, so to speak. And that yeah. was such a gorgeous expedition um, on on all of it, but particularly that Venus Mars relationship and Yin Yang um, aspects. Thank you, fabulous. Yeah. What about Saturn? Yeah, Saturn is a really um, you know the school that I teach for for Deborah Silverman. Saturn's an important part of um, that system because it's your life lesson. You know, it's where things can feel hard. But you can, right, because that's the way we, you know, if we're here to, lessons can be those hard lessons of life that's shown by Saturn in your chart. So it's in, it's really helpful to know your life lesson and where you're here. It's like part of your lesson plan is to work hard in this way, whatever sign Saturn's in, in this area of life, whatever slice of pie Saturn's in. Mm. So, you know, Saturn can have you feel some constriction, it can feel like, oh, it can feel frustrating because it's like, you just want to do this thing, but it's a little hard. But guess what? By the end of your life, because you get better at your Saturn lesson, your life lesson, as you get older, you get wiser. And so if you're, if you really stay dedicated and focused, it becomes your greatest asset, you know, in Mm. your, in your elder years, not even elder years, just, you know, as your, like your first Saturn return, it's when Saturn goes back and returns to the place it was. We're familiar with that. Most of us are familiar with Saturn I would love you to hit that actually. Could you just like a line or two about the Saturn? Yeah, I mean, Saturn return happens around age 28, 29, 30. And it's when Saturn returns to the place it was when you were born. And it's like a check-in. It's like the high school principal comes in and says, I want to know how you're doing in your life right now. And guess what? This usually, it's one of the things, I did this with you, Kilkenny. I asked you about some dates in the beginning of our reading, and those were Saturn dates. I know. And I wanted to ask you, like, do you do that with everyone? Or do you look at people's chart and then decide if that conversation is the way in? No, you know, Saturn is the universal teacher. So it's no, I do it with everyone. I don't do it for kids because they're so young. But um, yeah, I because it helps me understand the lesson, like those cycles of lessons and like what shows us Saturn's a very mundane planet. So there's always you know, think about if you're past the age of 28, 29, 30, like what happened when you were that age? There's, there's some way where we're kicked out of the nest big time. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be that you get married, that you have your first kid, but guess what? Those are, when you have your first kid, boy, is that a rude awakening into like, oh my God, parenthood. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really, you are a grown up at that point. It could be that you got fired or you changed jobs because you were realizing like, that's not an expression of who I was, or you move or, you know, it, like some, usually almost always, if the person can remember, there is a life event that happens at, in those Saturn cycles. You know, it's, you have, you contract so you can, you know, Saturn can feel like a little bit of a wet blanket sometimes, you know, even though I'll use the example of motherhood, even though you know, it's like, gosh, it's, you don't love anyone else in your life. Like you love your child. It's like the greatest gift to be able to birth a child and be a mama. 
but that could be a wet blanket on the way you used to live your life. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh my God, I it's totally different. That's an example of like a Saturn, you know, things get real and it depends on the sign and it depends on the house that it's in. Right. So um, there, so some people it will impact, you know, one yeah. way and some people it will impact another. Cause I feel like there are a lot of people who have fear around that. And that's, I love your vantage point. And that's yeah. again, what I love about how you download things because a lot of people are like, Oh my Saturn return. And I remember when you went through Saturn dates, I was like, wow, like they were actually really blissful, happy times um, in my life. Not that I wasn't working hard, but it is. So people don't have to necessarily fear their Saturn return times. I also know, and maybe you could extrapolate a little bit more on that Saturn, you know, that approximate 29 ish, cycle is often divided by four into quarters and that would be obviously seven and so the ages of like seven and 14 and 21 which i think is fascinating because those are ages that in the psychological world are considered crucial like at seven you know even uh, rudolf steiner wrote about the seven year consciousness And in psychology, it's a big thing, you know, when you get your first adult teeth and molars. And then 14, of course, is is the really, really intense adolescence. And then even in America, 21, you know, we've put a, a legality to that and a weight to that. So it's really, yeah. really interesting that those things align with Saturn, these turning points. Yeah. And life gets real at your Saturn return in one way or the other. So it's, you know, it. It's like I in astrologers believe like that's when you really grow up. Like that's when you're a full-fledged adult because you can't go back. It's like, you know, adulthood. And you like some people recover from addictions at that point. You know, it's like they it's it's these, you know, they lose 50 pounds or something. It's like, you know, it's it's like that check-in. So it's really important. And you can also um if you do that same formula, AstroCal, put that into Google and put Saturn return calculator. You can put in um, your birth date and it will show you your Saturn cycles from now until I don't know how far it goes out. But um, yeah, Saturn is, it's, it's really where life can feel hard and you need to practice again and again and again and develop discipline and it becomes your greatest superpower. You know, it really does. If, and this is a way with people that are afraid of their Saturn, return, go get a reading and let that astrologer really talk to you about your Saturn lesson. And then you start the work ahead of time. Mm. You know, Saturn at the Saturn return, if you, if Saturn comes and checks in on high school principal and you're doing your work, guess what? Life does get better. It gets like, yeah, there's, there's almost like you get that, um, that reward of like, you know, you could get a promotion, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's not, doesn't have to be a hard thing if you're really on top of your soul work. Love it. Um, Love. Sometimes we can get knocked out of the water. I'm not going to, you know, that can happen. But that can also happen at any, every seven, you know, at any seven year point. Right. There's the seven year itch, right? You've got that, that, that funny thing that we, we, that little nowhere we say in society. And then, you know, in psychology, there's also the, the, the term, normative crisis. And I love that term because it's speaking to those, mm-hmm. you know, the seven years, the 14, the 21. And I love that term because it's like, you're saying crisis, but, but it's normative. Like we all go through it. There are the growth edges. There's a character in Chinese that danger 
and the character for danger is actually two different characters, which are, oh no, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Crisis is the two characters of danger and opportunity. And, and so as you're speaking, I was thinking about that right Saturn return is that it can feel like a crisis mm, yeah. when people are not, but it's, it's an opportunity. Yay. Yeah. Okay. What about we close with the nodes of the moon? We got there. 11. One for good luck on our We podcast. did. I do have to, I can't say enough, but because I forgot the rising sign, I have to add in the rising sign, Kilkenny. That's such an important part of your primal triad. Yeah, that it's like the triad, your sun, moon, and rising. Basically, it's just your operating system. It's like usually with a rising sign, it's like we have it when we're really young. You know, if you are a Leo rising, you are exuberant. You are on stage. Nothing, nothing def- de- like deters you from being the center of attention. And then I'm just using Leo as an example. And then something happens in childhood. It can be one incident that's like, oh my God, that's not safe. I'm not going to do that. And then so you, and you rise to it, you find your way back to that expression, but it really is your innate operating system. So it's how you operate in life. You know, if you're, Mm. it doesn't matter. Like if you're a double Aries and you have a Pisces rising, you're going to be that, you know, Aries that's like, yes, we got to do this. And you're going to do it in a very spiritual way because it's Pisces. You know, Mm -hmm. if your operating system is Capricorn, boy, are you a hard worker. Those Capricorn risings have really hard childhoods Mm. because they came out of the womb responsible. And it could have also been they were, there was a circumstance in their childhood that had them be responsible. Um, So it's like, you know, the rising sign is a hugely important part of understanding who you are, who your partner is, who your kids are in relationship. Mm. And isn't it part of like your physicality as well? Yeah. Which I always think is interesting, like how you look a lot of times people and how people see you is a lot about your rising sign as opposed to your sun sign. Yeah. Interesting. And what is your brilliant quip? You said that I love it was the most concise thing. And I just have so many notes of astrology that I I couldn't find it. But I know you said it. Um, It was like your sun sign is is like what you want. Your rising is how you get it and how you feel about it. Something like that. Can you share that? Yeah, you're, it's very easily, your sun is what you want, your moon is what you need, and your rising sign is how you go about getting it. Yes, brilliant. You know, it's like your operating system. Just, I love it. Yeah. So, and again, it was like, for example, you and I were both Pisces risings. It was, we felt everything when we were young. We felt too much. So it could be that we were told we were too, we felt too much, or, oh, that's silly, or, you know... It, and then we lose it a little, but then it's like we 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 don't ever fully lose it, but we come become disconnected from it a little. And then as we, you know, grow in age, and but that's what we rise to, you know. So it's a very mm. spiritual expression. I love mm. talking to people about their rising signs and parents too, because it's it's really just honoring who they are, the way they show up in life. It's so it it is. You know, we talk about like building your child's self-esteem all (laughs) you just need to know their sun moon and rising and let them be that and mirror that for them like look at you you are passionate about this aren't you wow look at all that passion I see I see you it's so reaffirming to who they are Hmm. oh thank you that is so beautiful and yoga it's called a sutra like one little gem that you could just unpack forever so that was really really helpful and then the nodes the notes of the moon are so important. It's my favorite thing to teach about. Um, they're so, it's just because it's such a Piscean kind of thing, Kilkenny, you know, it's 
your your south node represents your past lives and what you've come in with didn't quite work out some things didn't work out in other lives about this um where your south node is in your chart but it's what you know really well it's like where you can fall back on it's like you know if your south node is in gemini it means that you know in when you were young, you were really good at like, you were really curious. You might've been really good at school. You were really, you were a talker and it worked for you. You know, it's like, and then as you move and grow and it, you know, into your lives, you reach more for that North node. You can think of it as the North star. It's like the bigger picture of where our soul is going. It's always where you want to point to, and it's always going to be a reach but it, when you can reach and reach and lean into it, it feels so good. It feels a little scary because it's like, oh my God, that's foreign territory. I know my South Node because your, your South Node and your North Node are always 180 degrees apart. They're complete opposites. So you come in like comfortable with one way. Let's say it's in your South Node is in Virgo. You can figure things out. You can make lists and you can use your mind and logic and create systems and you can worry, you can, you know, you can um, overthink things, but it's like, it's the way that you get through life, but really where you're reaching towards is opposite. And that's Pisces. So it's not figuring everything out. It's flowing with life. It's a more, more spiritual gesture. It's, it's more leaning into the divine, less into the earthly realms of like, but prove it to me. I got to figure that out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's always helpful. Like it's, you know, as a kid, it can be helpful for you as a mom to know your kids south node because it's something they're going to be they're going to be good at but um it's you know where they're and i would i don't even sometimes in a lot of times in kids readings i don't even talk about the north node because it's something we really develop as adults that was a question i had at what age do you start to weigh that significantly the north node i you know i believe it's like you can you know, as an adult, when, when somebody comes to me for as a reading, I will always talk to them about their North node, but you know, if they're young, if they're in their twenties and they haven't had their Saturn return, I really, they just need to know their Saturn life lesson. Like let's focus on this because that North node thing, that's something that you can work towards. And it's almost like a, it's almost like a choice. I mean, it's a really good idea to do it, but you cannot do it and kind of get away with it in, you know, in what I would say in spiritual terms, but you can't not do your life lesson. You have to do Saturn or life keeps getting harder and harder. And you keep getting, you keep getting harder and harder in your emotional body and you get bitter and you get frustrated. You want to make friends with Saturn. So Saturn is really important. So I love to talk about North Node with people like in their 30s, like 40s is when I feel like you really start like, oh, God, the South Node thing, it's not working for me. I can't keep using my mind. It's like I'm, I'm burning out. I need to I can't figure it all out all the time. Yeah, that's right, because you're the gesture in this lifetime for you is to move towards the spirit realm. And you're down here, you know, you're back in your South Node still trying to, like, figure everything out. So um yeah, Saturn is most important. You have to do Saturn, but your North Node is just so, if you can lean into it, it feels really like, yeah, your soul is like doing a happy dance up there. Right, right. I think of the North Node in my experience is like a muscle group that you didn't work out and you haven't, you know, and then you yeah. like, like, like for myself, I physically, not being a yoga teacher, this is my metaphor, of course, like I wasn't born with a strong upper body but it's something that I've worked on. And now it's a strength of mine. 
because it was something that I needed to stretch myself with. Um, so I think of that with the North Node. Um, and, and then I also want to point out to the listeners and concur, please, that this is accurate, that like the North Node changes um, in a longer span of time. I think the nodes I read stay in one sign for about a year and a half. So a group of people, like if you're born within a year and a half of a certain group of people, like your peers, you have the same North Node. So there's a collective lesson, which I thought was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that's why, and so when I look at, yes, I always look at the sign, the North Node and South Node, they're both in, but I, the houses are really important mm-hmm. because that's very unique to you. And when you took your first breath, mm-hmm. so it will be the sign is important, but that house is super important. So the slice, it all comes back to the pizza pie. Where is the North Node in one of those 12 slices to get your specific yeah. It always comes back to food with me. I love it. (laughs) Well, that was really, really a great, insightful download about the nodes. So thank you for that. And I know we talked about astro.com, but just to recap that and, and all the different people Tara quoted and information that she quoted about different ways you can find specific information about your chart, I'll put in the show notes. So if you've listened to this and you want to go back, great, but I'll put those details um, in the show notes because so much of what I wanted to share today was how we could get a lot of specificity. And you really downloaded that so beautifully. Um, Tara, I just love with the capital L teasing out in our conversation today, what is paramount to know about our chart and our loved ones? Because the more I learn about my chart and its entirety on my life's journey and about my loved ones as we spoke of and and which you have assisted me with, it never ceases to amaze me how affirming this information can be, how helpful it is in aiding one's personal growth. And it gives you signposts on this journey of life and can help you propel more and more forward by affirming your gifts, your areas of shadow and help you glean understanding of oneself. And as you shared so movingly and adeptly, how it can help understand the tendencies of those we are in close relationship with and how to support them and vice versa, how they can lovingly support us. Tara posts daily on Instagram about how to use the celestial bodies to support you in your everyday life with your kids in such an easy and understandable and practical way. She also teaches, as she mentioned online for her teacher, Deborah Silverman. She so generously is offering all of my Patreon supporters $20 off an astrology reading. So head on over to my exciting Patreon page, patreon.com slash modern mystic love. I'll also be offering a free PDF recap of the top, we ended up making it 12 list of things you should know about you or your loved ones charts today with copious astrology notes on it for you. And again, this is for all of you, for everyone. So just head on over to that Patreon page. Um, And this is my thank you for tuning into the podcast and for listening, patreon.com slash modern mystic love. If you are interested in working with me privately for a private coaching or yoga session where I integrate your astrology into our session, email me at mystickilkenny at gmail.com.
Again, that's mystic, K-I-L-K-E-N-N-Y at gmail.com. Tara, where can folks find you? (laughs) Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm really um, not on Facebook. I mean, I am on Facebook, but I don't really do anything over there. I just pull my posts over. But, you know, even if there's something... um, Let's say you download your chart and you find it and you're like, wait, what house is my son in? Just DM me and I can talk to you. I can talk that through you. You know, I do that often because I always like every full moon and new moon. I'll talk about that on my Instagram posts and I'll say, find it in your chart. Some people have trouble finding it and they just DM me. So the DM on Instagram is the best place to talk back and forth with me. But my website is um, Tara Vogel. V-O-G-E-L, Tara, Vogel.com or LuminaryParenting.com. And your handle um, on Instagram is what? At Luminary, Luminary Parent. Yeah, That's at right. Luminary Parenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I also have information if you're interested in Deborah's school, you can contact, you can DM me and I can give you more information on that. Um, it's great to teach for her. She teaches in a really grounded, practical, fun way. Um, so, Yeah. She's fabulous. I love her. I was exposed to her years ago and I just thought she was just incredibly brilliant. So um, yeah, you can find Tara there. You can study with Tara. You can get reading, but her, her IG daily, I mean, there are a few people I actually follow and look at on a daily basis. Um, I don't really hardly anyone and, and you are one of them. It's like you and my kids. Um, so I love that. So if people go find her and when you're, you know, looking at the moon and you see the moon is, new and you have a new moon or a dark moon yourself and you feel the energy of that and you feel more aligned in your life or whatever your sign is, um, you'll think of Tara and this conversation. <laughs> so Tara, you have really truly downloaded just a plethora of insightful info that will no doubt help our listeners further progress on their own path. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for your luminary luminosity. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Kilkenny. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives one breath at a time namaste